Hello, Lot here. Just wanting you all to know that this episode has been previously recorded and posted. So I hope you enjoy it or re-enjoy it. Hello and welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings toward our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Do we still have to say a Game of Thrones podcast anymore? Or can we just drop that now? <gasps> oh, we, should. we should. We should. We should. <laughs> we really should. Um, hi, I am Chicky. Um, I am joined tonight by Guile. Hi, I'm Guile. I tweet at Door Podcast. And Clotho. Hi, I'm Clotho, and you can find me at Clotho Spindle on Twitter. And we are. At least I'm thrilled <laughs> to be beginning our re-reread of Jamie and Brienne's book chapters tonight with um, the first Jamie chapter from A Storm of Swords, which is actually the first real chapter of A Storm of Swords that isn't the prologue. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll give our usual warnings for, you know, trigger warnings for rape, discussions of rape, um, and we're going to... Sp- spoil everything what's left to spoil at this point like what is a spoiler warning in this in this world now if some if one of us gets the like unreleased manuscript of the winds of winter <laughs> which is gonna that would pretty much be it <laughs> well, i guess we're spoiling everything because everything that exists ended with the show so um anyway spoilers for does the, the show whole world. exist though does it <laughs> best philosophical no. question <laughs> Okay, so I guess we can just dig right in. Um, I, oh God, I cannot read Jamie's first chapter without just wanting to like read the entire thing out loud because he's just so <laughs> basically poetic from like the very beginning. I mean, um, you get this thing of him. <laughs> Maybe I should give some some setup for this. So this is this is this is Jamie's first chapter after he's been released from the River Run d- dungeons by Cat, and they have this kind of monumental discussion at the end of Clash that, of course, Brienne overhears, where Jamie admits to sleeping with Cersei and being the father of all her kids, and he admits to chucking Bran out the tower window, and he, you know, really kind of <laughs> shows no remorse for having killed Eris, all of which made a pretty bad impression on Brienne. So that's probably a good, a good way to talk about the beginning of this chapter. But so we have Jamie just like, he's drunk, first of all, <laughs> but also drunk on sunlight, but he's actually drunk on wine too, which really makes for great atmosphere. I feel. <laughs> um, and uh, he kind of is, is looking Brienne over and comparing her to, <laughs> Cersei, but also just admiring her generally really great muscles, and um, I don't know. Do you, do you guys have as many feelings about the first like few paragraphs of this chapter? <laughs> well, I mean, just the you know, the wind was fragrant through his hair. I'm drunk. I'm a, you know, obviously we love the "I'm alive and drunk on sunlight" quote, but just you know, the the rivers running beneath him, the sun. Like he's just so freaking happy to be out of the dungeon. You know, he's just sort of, you know, he might might be like the wine talking a little bit, but it's also just, he's, you know, he is genuinely happy in this moment. 
and and you know George has a lot of those moments where are very descriptive and there's poetry that I, f- I feel like there's so much in J- I don't know I mean we're just biased but I feel like there's so much more in JV's than even in other characters because you know a lot of them are more bland or you know like a Davos you know I don't think his chapters are full of little things like you know <laughs> he's I mean <laughs> Jamie's super not bland yeah <laughs> Well, I would say Jamie's first few chapters are, it's like as entertaining as Tyrion's chapters, yes. but without as much like bitterness and misogyny because yeah. of oh, course Jamie like, has a lot more privilege than yeah, Tyrion. Yeah, and he's hilarious too. Like, it's so, like, I just laugh at ever. it's hilarious. It's, you know, just He has such a rich inner dialogue too, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. he's funny in what he says, but then, you know, he's he's not always funny in his... I mean, he's kind of... Actually, he is funny in his thoughts, too. <laughs> I was thinking about some of his comments about Cleos, that he is kind of funny. Yes. Some of his thoughts yeah. are funnier than his dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, like he's, <laughs> yeah I mean, some, somewhere along the line... And, you know, again, it goes you know, way, way in the future when we meet Jenna, and, you know, she's, you know, you smile like Jerry, and we know that Jerry's kind of... was the family jokester, you know? And it's just such... Up until this, it's up until this point, we've kind of seen Jamie as this monster, and you know, getting in his head is just, you know, not at all what you expect from a monster. It's not like he's a funny monster. He's yeah, like, oh, yeah. just like funny without the monster part. Well, his head just is not a dark place. Yeah. No, mm. not well, right now, anyway. He's like a mirror. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of a miracle in a way. Like he really should. He's pretty <laughs> fucked up, but he should be yeah. more. You know. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So he's kind of just kind of starts the chapter out trying to assess Brienne. Of course, they're rowing down the river away from River Run. Um, it's Jamie, Jamie's cousin, Cleos Frey, who we will come to know and love. And of course, Jamie. And um, Jamie is, is really trying to figure Brienne out at the beginning of the chapter. Um, and so he, he kind of, he, he's, he tries to start things off politely with her, but it really quickly goes south um, because she he calls her Lady Brienne, but then she immediately calls him Kingslayer because what you kind of will figure out as you go through the chapters, she she just hates him. Like, she cannot stand him. He's everything that is, like, wrong in her eyes. And um, their dynamic is just combative from the beginning. I love the the kind of first initial conversation that, that they have where it just kind of keeps going from bad to worse. It's like he calls her Lady Brienne. She calls him Kingslayer. Then he calls her Winch. And then she she's calling him Kingslayer again. And they get into this whole thing. And eventually it ends up with him basically like saying, <laughs> yeah, prove to me that you're not a woman. Like take off your clothes and everything. Um <laughs> And Cleos is like, please stop, please stop, please stop, (laughs) don't do this. He's just, you know, kind of, you know, he's so hilarious because you you don't get that in the show. And I love his sort of, you know, he's trying to, he's the the foil, you know, for, for them, you know, like, I mean, if he wasn't there, she probably, at this point, would Brienne have just like, let it escalate that much? (laughs) You know, because I mean, and one of them was going to end up in the end up in the river. <laughs> you know, I don't know that Cleos gets enough credit for maybe yeah. keeping both of them alive. Yeah, in the beginning, yeah. that that is probably true. Yeah, 
I don't think he's, he he kind of got a bad rap. Like I, even from Jamie, I'm like Jamie's a little harsh with him. I like Cleos. <laughs> well, and, you know, I actually tried to refresh my memory of of Cleos because I so I, I remember we see him in Tyrion's chapters too. But you know, Cleos, it's sort of weird that Jamie doesn't know him. Like he should know him. He grew yeah, he yeah. you know grew up at the Rock. He's I assume he's sort of just given the age you know that he has kids. I kind of assume that he's somewhere around Tyrion's age probably but you know he so Cleos was captured at the Whispering Wood then he was sent as an envoy to, to King's Landing and you know on their trip they were attacked and like several of their party were killed and you know he went there on the promise that he would basically come back to his imprisonment so he comes back and he's part of the party where Tyrion um, hit the men to help Jamie escape which Cleos didn't know about so, you know, and then now he's going back again. So he's like, yeah. this is his third trip through what we what we yeah. start to see in the chapters is like really like this hellacious war zone. Yes. And, you know, yeah. He's like a pretty brave for, you know, yeah, he's afraid and he's not, you know, he's not attractive, blah, blah, blah. But he's actually like a pretty brave dude in the scheme of things. Yeah. I mean, like you pointed out, if he made it that many times, he has reason to be that scared. You know what I mean? Like he's probably yeah. seen some shit. <laughs> Yeah, he's so I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's totally seen some shit. Yeah. I mean, the only shit Jamie's seen at this point is, like, his, his own in a pocket cell. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I thought it was... Oh, oh, and that was kind of... I think it's from the very beginning part where he was thinking about, like... Uh, he mentions that... Um, and I know we know it's his sword that swears, but I think it was interested that they mentioned her sword. Like, he says the wench's sword... But, like. Brienne's sword was pointed at, pointed at his heart. So I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into that, but I thought that was pretty oh, cool. Oh, when he when made he, the yeah, oath, oath yeah, it's like his yeah. sword was pointed directly at his heart. I thought it was interesting <laughs> that the the particular oath that he made regarding the girls was that he would compel his brother to release them. So it's actually like not an oath that he ever could have like no. he can never keep that. Like he never had an opportunity to keep that oath. So it's like there is no oath. He or Brienne never made a specific oath to, like, get the girls back. It was to compel Tyrion. So technically, it's not... He is I think under he, no and, he and Brienne are honoring the spirit of the oath, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> right, not the letter of it. But, you know, just to... As a Jamie defender, you often come across very technical details that are held against him. And I just wanted to point this one out. <laughs> Well, good job, because it's probably necessary. Yeah. you got to be a lawyer if you're a Jamie fan, I feel like. <laughs> I actually do. Um, so we kind of go through, basically, Jamie's getting to know Brienne. He, like, finds out, okay, how is it, you know, like, okay, you're from Tarth. How come you're serving, you know, the Starks? And she's like, I serve Lady Catelyn and all of this stuff. And they they kind of get each other's story, and she tells him that she was in... <laughs> Renly's Kingsguard, which he finds really, really funny. Um, I mean, for a lot of reasons, including that that Renly called his Kingsguard the Rainbow Guard. But um, <laughs> I think it's, it's so really funny that George claims like that he you know didn't mean it in like a uh, you know reference to Renly being gay, and it's like, yeah, you did. Jamie wouldn't find it funny if you didn't. <laughs> of course he did. Right, like you knew what you were doing. I love it when Jamie's like, oh, was it you and six other girls? And like, yeah. just cannot let anything go. And it's funny because he keeps telling himself, he's like, 
oh, I'm not going to make fun of her. It would be too easy. And then, and like, then the paragraphs, <laughs> he's making fun of her because she just, like, gets his goat every time. She fights back, too. You know, like, she's... Oh, yeah. Really combat- like, she's really combative with him. It's certainly not one way. Oh, yeah, no, she hates him. This is... I. It's funny. I, I can't remember what the discussion was on Tumblr, but I, I think it was on Tumblr. I said something the Probably. other day where I was just like... <laughs> I think part of the reason that he might have like been intrigued by her is that she might be about the first woman on earth who actually yeah. hated him and didn't want to fuck him mm-hmm. the first time that she saw him. I wonder if that That's might be part, part of it. Too. Like, mm-hmm. That's something new and different for him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, sometimes I feel like Jamie doesn't even like recognize that. I think it's so ubiquitous that he doesn't comment on it. Is so maybe it I was think. like more of a yeah, shock that, that somebody, be. he noticed that somebody wasn't, you know, maybe that's always <laughs> happening. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, she hates him so much, mm-hmm. which is why it's so funny that there's this, like, I don't know. There's a lot of commentary and fandom about how abusive he is to her. And I'm like, she started it and she keeps it going. <laughs> like I mean, like, there's no... right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. She the first, that, and she has some yeah, that abusive. Like, have you never seen a rom-com? Jesus, people. Come on. <laughs> like, that's quite a reach. So anyway, Jay- it occurs to Jamie that he probably should try to uh, disguise himself. So he he ends up having Cleos shave him, uh, shave his head bald and um, kind of clean up his beard a little bit. Um and he, he, a few times in this chapter, kind of notices the physical changes in himself. Like, he hadn't quite recognized them before in the dungeon. He thinks he's thinner, and he looks older, new lines on his face when he looks in the water and everything. Um, and it was really cool. We have some fan art that someone did for this oh, chapter yeah. to kind of go along with our reread that shows bald Jamie. And I don't think there's much art of bald Jamie. I I was trying to remember if I'd ever seen it before. Have you guys? I think there was one guard years ago, but it was more like, it wasn't completely bald. I think it was the one yeah. from the bit, like, yeah, they have like short, but I don't know if I remember like a completely bald. I think the closest yeah, I've seen is short. the person that did the little capsule illustrations of Jamie Brand and Cersei's chapters in Feast. And there, oh, you know, Jamie's got the real, she might have done a bald I don't one. know if she did a bald, but she, you know, he's real short hair um, and, a, you know, real short hair and a beard, you know, much... Maybe maybe in the very first feast chapter when he's um, standing vigil over Tywin, you know, like he, you know, kind of looks maybe a little bit more like what he would actually look like here. They were trying to all repress the bold Jamie, so that's what nobody ever. But it's cool. I love that she did that, and it's an awesome picture. I love like the side yeah. art. It's so really it was, the style is nice. Um, mm-hmm. I think her name is Charlotte Floriano, and it's on our it's on our Tumblr and our Twitter. Yeah, um, check it out. Yeah, and. Uh, it looks like she is hopefully um, providing new images as as we move along. So if, um, many sweet. much to look forward to. <laughs> She's very talented. Yeah. So they kind of go along the river, and Brienne famously sees these women hanging in a tree, um, and and basically pulls over <laughs> and wants to go bury them. She's very upset that these women have been killed in this way, and. This is, I think, one of the things that was a little bit lost with show Brienne and that I love that George does with Brienne. And that is that, you know, Brienne doesn't have a problem with other women. Like, she's she doesn't hate women. She doesn't, mm. you know, 
it's it's by an inn and like these are clearly women who you know may have been tavern wenches i suppose in the vernacular of the the books but she's very upset by the fact that they were hanged yeah um and so she goes to to bury them and there are these kind of cool lines where she and jamie exchange this thing about her not wanting anyone to be a feast for crows and um it's such kind of funny foreshadowing i feel like of what her own chapters will be like. Do you think he, George had even resolved that he was going to give her a POV at this point? Whew, maybe. I mean, I don't know. It, you know, if he had had, you know, it seems like he, it almost seems like, you know, he, he obviously had Stoneheart by this time. You know, well, obviously we're in, in Storm. Of course he yeah. did. So, I mean, he had Stoneheart by the time that he created Brienne. And I think it's, you know, I think to connect a major character to Stoneheart, it, he probably realized it had to be either Jamie or, you know, either okay. Jamie or Brienne in, in Feast, right? Like, there wasn't really yeah. anyone else that it would be. And, yeah, I mean... Yeah, uh, and that would be interesting to think that if he did know he was going to do that, why didn't he, he, he give her any chapters, you know, you know, even like a couple in this, you know? In this, yeah. Um, yeah. He wasn't quite so liberal about adding POVs. Again. Maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe. Because yeah, this is it our was... first Sam in Storm, right? Or yeah, Sam yeah. in Clash? Yeah, yeah. It's Sam and Jamie. I think are the new ones in this book. Okay, and I think it's, them. I think it's the success with Jamie that kind of <laughs> made George feel like he was able yeah. to add as many more as he would begin adding <laughs> after that point, way beyond what he should. Has but. anyone read any contemporary reviews of, of Storm of Swords that like, particularly got into you know adding Jamie as a POV? Um, I haven't for many years, but I did at the time, and I, okay. I talk about this quite a bit. With Storm, th- that was, you know, I mean, Storm, Storm was kind of... Uh, definitely considered George's best at the time that he put it out. And hmm. okay. it was kind of the the book that put the entire series on the map. And I don't know that I ever read anyone talking about it or heard anyone talking about it that didn't immediately talk about Jamie's chapters being one of the major reasons that it's cool. so good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is why I'm, I'm always like, if you think that George doesn't care yeah. that, you know, the, the show did what they did to Jamie... Yeah. Of course he does, because Jamie is one of the things that he's been most praised for. Um, yeah, that's got to hurt. And it, this, it wasn't it Storm that lost out on a Hugo to the Goblet of Fire, and he was pretty salty about that. From, <laughs> yeah, from what I recall. Oh and I mean, gosh. I'll be fair. Like I think the Goblet of Fire is a great book. So <laughs> I don't, you know, like they both certainly have iconic chapters. Let's say, and I could make an argument for either. <laughs> Well, I th- I think you know, but I mean that 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 alone is a sign of just how successful. Yeah, I shouldn't oh, say successful. Yeah, how well received yeah. the book was within within genre circles that he he knows he would have won if it weren't for J.K. Rowling. That's pretty <laughs> because yeah, impressive. that was how much people loved Storm of Swords. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's not all Jamie. A lot of right. Cool I mean, there's all there's a climax to to so many red wedding, purple yeah. wedding, tons yeah. of yeah. shit happened. So many stories. But, you know, just, I'll go ahead. I was just going to say, but Jamie's chapters are definitely considered one of the highlights. Or they were. I mean, I don't know anymore what people think. It's so funny. 
prologue, which is you know, Chet's prologue at the at the fist of the first men, to you know Jamie. I mean, you go from you know the Chet peeing himself because the horn sounded three times to you know Jamie on the gentle boat on the Riverlands. I'm alive and drunk. You know, and it's such a again like such a contrast between you know between that which is always interesting like the way that he you know the way that he decides to order chap you know order chapters and even the end of the book you know the end of the book was stoneheart like oh god it's yeah. like i mean it starts off terrifying and it ends fucking terrifying <laughs> yeah. you know then there's jamie in the middle who, i mean he goes through this you know horrible ordeal but you know his last pov is all about you know whatever he chose and you know, granted, obviously, he has a big part of Tyrion's final chapter, but I mean, you know, just from his POV is sort of this, like, horrible, you know, the horrible thing in the middle and then kind of him crawling back from it. So it's just, it's so, it almost doesn't fit the rest of the book in a way. Like, I guess maybe because the rest, a lot of the rest of the book is stories ending and his is, you know, yeah, the beginning. Wrapping up. Well, I mean, I really think George brought Jamie in because he knew, you know, obviously he was about to lose Kat, who was yeah. one of the biggest POV characters. We talk about a lot about George's, you know, five, Danny, John, and Tyrion, and uh, Arya and Bran. But, you know, like, well, Danny, John, and Tyrion have a lot of chapters. But, you know, Arya and Bran, well, Arya's pr- pretty high up there, but, you know, they, they don't necessarily have the most. I mean, Catelyn and Ned had a ton, you know, I mean, like, th- yeah. there were there were a lot of POVs who actually were were bigger parts of the books than the main five that everyone talks about. And I think George knew he was losing Cat, and he knew he was going to need to bring someone else in, and he definitely needed to get a new POV in King's Landing since he knew he was going to send Tyrion away. And so he comes up <laughs> with this idea of bringing Jamie in, which I think he must... He must have started Clash at least knowing he was going to do a Jamie POV. I kind of think he might have known before he even finished Game of Thrones. Yeah. And, um, you know, so Jamie is brought in to be a major character. I mean, to be a major POV, it's pretty, you know, it's a pretty big introduction. You can tell. And then I think a he, fell, yeah, he fell in love with, you know, Jamie and Brienne. And I mean, we've talked about this before with, you know, Feast basically being a book about, you know, about them, you know, about. Jamie, Cersei, and Bran. I mean, obviously, there's other parts of it as well, but, I mean, a giant chunk... Are there? I, I know, it doesn't seem like it. <laughs> <laughs> but apparent, apparently, there's, like, a bunch of Dorn chapters, and... Just um, don't remember. I know, and, you know, some Ironborn stuff, so... <laughs> okay, well, speaking of Feast, one of the cool things, too, that George does here with where the spot where the the women have been hanged is that it's on um, Brackenland. Um, and this is right around, you know, where both Jamie and Brienne are going to meet up again in dance. I should say dance instead of feast. Um, so he really brings their story kind of full circle from here. Like they kind of get to know one another in the Riverlands and then they're going to meet back up here again. Um so they they find these women and they discover that it was actually Stark people who who hanged these women and this is kind of the beginning of Jamie sort of upending Brienne's um, you know kind of worldview as far as chivalry goes but also you know her concepts of there are good guys and bad guys because um, it he, you know he's like aha ha it was your side that did this terrible thing that you think is so horrific you know not mine. Um, and then we have the scene of her climbing the tree to cut them down. I mean, like, 
I don't feel like she's as athletic in Feast as she is in Storm of Swords. Do, do you guys think she's as athletic? Or I mean, she's sort of... I think this is sort of part of that whole... Remember when Tyrion would, like, somersault and shit? Yes, it reminds me of that. It's not really based in reality. Right. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that when I was reading it. I was like, this is just... Because even visualizing, try to visualize her climbing that... You know, that she's racing across the top of the cliff. I mean, it seems really out there. (laughs) It really does. (laughs) She climbs this tree to, like, cut these ladies down, and then she, like spots a sail coming up the river and realizes it's Tully colors and she jumps out of the tree like it kind of like, I'm like how far does she jump uh, kind of like she's Captain America or something <laughs> yeah, you know? so they get back in their boat and they, they start running down river and there's this chase scene um, with the Tully, the Tully uh, guys chasing them um, and they keep getting closer and closer. And one thing I love about this, um, and I don't know if you guys noticed it too, I love the way that Jamie like verbally talks through like what they're looking at. He's like, okay, this is a the boat that's chasing us is about this big. This yeah, is about how many know. people are it. Um, they've probably got a couple extra guys to row. They're going to be tired, but they'll keep coming. He's like, they might have this many guys on there to fight, maybe 20 or 25. Like he's just talking through the whole thing. And Brienne doesn't say anything she just kind of lets him talk and he's clearly worrying you know he keeps kind of trying to take over (laughs) things and she's finally just like yeah i said i'd protect you i'm gonna protect you like quit i i just love that there's this constant (laughs) dynamic of like fighting for control of their little group and he's definitely got the smarts i mean that kind of stuff is that that's like calculating strategy that's like stuff that shows that he's a good commander you know what i mean those are things that you need and in an intense moment, on the spot, like, you can kind of hone in on things and details. And you, you kind of see, like, it's not like he ever tries to put Cleos in the spot of being the leader, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. he is literally, like, he's a helper. You know, it's between the two, you know, it's the two of them are in charge, basically. Yeah. And Cleos is just there. <laughs> he's just there for Cleos. Well, I mean, yeah, and it's funny because Jamie does seem to sense that she has some competency, but he just like he isn't sure. So he's like he's like I got to make sure she knows what's going on. You know, like, he doesn't even say that necessarily, but that's clearly what he's doing. Um, so anyway. and she can't. I mean, she's so busy, intense on rowing. I mean, I think he's being helpful. I don't think he's trying to like you know, he's just doing what he needs to do in the moment. He just wants to survive. I mean, yeah. that's kind of the thing. I mean, like. They they have somewhat similar goals, Jamie and Brienne, but they also have somewhat disparate goals. And that Jamie's only goal right now is to survive, and her goal is to get him back to King's Landing. Yeah. He talks about it in this chapter. He's like, "Why don't you just fucking take me to my father, who's like right over there, you know?" Yeah. And rather than doing that, she's insisting on taking him to King's Landing because that's what Cat told her she had to do yeah. to make sure she got, you know, at least Sansa and hopefully Arya back. Right. Which and is, yeah, I mean, even if Tyone was still holding hair in Hall, like. Here, you know, <laughs> she's getting killed, and you know there's no daughters coming back. That's what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which Cat is smart enough to know, and yeah. well, so's Brienne because she's not doing, you know. But he he knows. He's like, okay, I'm in trouble as long as we're wandering around out here, which is part of why he wants to disguise mm-hmm. who he is and everything. Yeah. You know? Um, but he's like, she's gonna get me killed. She's gonna. You, he doesn't say that, but you can just tell that's what he's worried about. So anyway, uh, they finally start talking to the 
guys in the Tully boat who catch up to him. And I love that this is <laughs> how do you say this guy's name? Is it Robin Riger? I always want to say Riger, but I never know what George. Yeah, that's how I think of it. Yeah, yeah. I love how snarky Jamie is here. I mean, like he's <laughs> so funny. Um, anyway, they they shoot some arrows at him. I love. This is the first time that you really see how much Jamie hates. Um, archers yeah he mentions it a few times uh. he really hates them <laughs> um and then we we get to the point where you know it's really clear that they're going to be caught by these guys and jamie's trying to figure a way out of it and he like even is he has this thought of oh you know if Tyrion were here he could think of something but before he even knows what's going on like brienne gives some orders she tells cleos to take over the tiller and she tells jamie to row and they kind of go around this bend where the ship can't see him anymore. And she jumps out of the water and she's suddenly like scaling up this cliff face. <laughs> and this is, I mean, like, this is one of the more amazing moments. And this is why I get so upset. I mean, like, I realized the show probably could never have pulled this off. Yeah, it would have looked ridiculous. Like, it, it would look great in the reading about version. it. But... <laughs> What? what did you say, Gaia? It looked really great in the animated version. Like, oh, that it's one. made yes. the animated version. Yes. This is one. why I want an animated version, is yes. this exact scene. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. But I love how Jamie is like, okay, I've got to distract. Like, she doesn't even tell him her plan, but he just, like, immediately figures out what it is, and he, like, he's like, oh, i got to distract Robin Ryder so that they don't shoot her down off of this cliff yeah, and everything. They already it's have like, chemistry as a team. They don't know they're oh, really yeah. a teamwork, Ooh. but they are. <laughs> so then she gets on top of the cliff and drops the boulder <laughs> on the ship, and it starts to sink. And it's it's funny because you know people's legs are getting crushed and stuff, but it it reads funny because you're reading it through like Jamie's, <laughs> so it's like you almost want to laugh and someone like, got hurt, you know? Like, I don't know why it's like, it's, people flailing around of, in the water. <laughs> yeah, like I kind of you know like, and we see Robin Riger later. Like he's one of the guys that gets sent, you know, presumably. I feel like really isn't going to the wall um, when Jamie takes River Run. So, I mean, you know, we know that a number of these guys for sure survive, and the others, they survive, like, a whole shit ton of stuff, basically, at that point. They're, you know, like, this dude was at River Run and didn't die at the Red Wedding and didn't, you know, like, he, Robin Ryder, like, made it through a lot of stuff. And I wonder what they told people, like, you know, they would be telling people, some lady (laughs) threw a boulder Do you think they even knew it was her? Do you think oh, they even knew they how it happened? I not even know. I wonder. Like, this book of Boulder just really... <laughs> like, is Jamie the only one who actually knows what <laughs> happened? That would be funny. He might. <laughs> I mean, no songs about that. Well, Unless you know, like, it on. Kat really wasn't in the mood to, like, hear any... You know, there's no fun. Like, there's nothing fun in Kat's chapters and swords. So... <laughs> You know, we never, you know, we never hear anything about that. I think we we see them kind of come back in Cat's chapters, if I remember correctly, like sort of as an aside. I think when yeah she's visiting with her father when he's dying, so she's kind of out of touch and you know doesn't hear the we we don't have her hearing like Castle rumors and stuff. Which this is the one time when it would have been maybe fun to have a Rob POV just because you know like they would have had to have fessed up to like. Rob. <laughs> And that would have been fun. Yeah, it actually would have been fun. There are a few things that would have been fun from Rob's POV, but I yeah. guess we'll never know. <laughs> so anyway, then Brienne 
it's funny because Jamie thinks, oh, well, she's clear over there and just dropped that boulder. So we're, we're, we're going to get away from her, you know, but he doesn't realize she's already running back along the cliff and she's like running down river and like dives in and swims back to the boat. And he's got this oar and he's thinking of just like knocking her out. He's like, oh, I'll get rid of her now. And he can't bring himself to do it. I mean, that would be like a huge dick move to like kill her out. <laughs> Jamie's like, capable of huge dick moves. Out. Yeah, but I mean, he doesn't actually do the dick moves, though, for the most part. Like, other than Bran. But I mean, that's not, I guess, probably a dick move. But I mean, <laughs> it'd just be pretty low. Like, she just saved them and, you know, it was awesome doing it. He can't, like, hurt her. Um, Yeah, I feel like this was his moment. You know, like, in the show, we got him kind of heart eyes when she's killing those guys. This was his heart. You know, know, if we could see his face, there must have been, like, admiration at least there when she was, like... Like, awe. He was just diving off the cliff. Like, jeez, come on. Yeah. Well, I always think this is why in Feast, like, he never considers that she'll fail at finding Sansa. Because she's been, like, an actual superhero in front of him. (laughs) Right, like it's not, it's, it's not like he's abdicating his responsibility in in having her search for Sansa. You know, he's literally like assigning a superhero to find her. Yeah, because she's like walking. You know, she's walking the walk. She's not just talking. Yeah, talk, she's doing it. <laughs> I Are love we going to talk about um, all the times Jamie checks her out in the chapter? Well, I was going to talk about that after. Oh, I was just going to say one more thing though. I love when she gets in the boat. And he's like, you know, I he like he wants her to know. He's like, we could have left you. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, I swore an oath to get you to King's Landing. Oh God, I love it. Like, I just love how Brienne is just so relentless in like her quest. Like, it's the most amazing thing. Yeah, and here it's, you know, we see the dark side of it in the next book. You know, it's like, yeah, it's it's hard. Ugh, Ugh. I just you know you get those those hints of beast and just how like relentless you know like the slow march to doom that it is maybe okay so yeah no let's talk about let's talk about the romantic stuff now because (laughs) her her long her long calf muscles and her back and (laughs) all of the all of the things that he's attracted to, despite that fact that she's super ugly. I love how he just like is watching her row and watching yeah, yeah. how she rows. And that then like how like, in the middle of the chase, he's like noticing how beautiful her eyes are. <laughs> I know that was amazing. Mm. Yeah, she's hardcore, man. Yeah, you think about all that rowing. Oh. God, that's amazing. I think most of us would be like enamored with her after. <laughs> right. oh. I, mean, if, I mean, maybe a Cleos POV would have been the fun one. Like, actually, oh, it would be kind of fun to see this. Yeah. Like, that actually, if someone wants to write a fan, uh, you know, it's oh, a tragic short fan. You know, the first three chapters of Storm of Swords to the eyes of Cleos Frey. <laughs> Oh. Which is I mean, just I him silently it. being shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he you know we don't really see his 
we don't really, you know, we only see him react to Brienne as like a highborn lady. You know, that's yeah, he's yeah. very, you know, very courteous, very, you know, defer. Obviously, like defers to her. You know, Cleo seems like he was one of those, you know, born to serve kind of guys. Yeah, doesn't want to rock the boat. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, they definitely have that cackling, like crackling, not cackling, <laughs> cackling chemistry. Be like, <laughs> it is. I just feel like it's some of the best, like back and forth dialogue that George ever writes. Is some of their stuff. Oh yeah. Well, I think it doesn't. You know, it doesn't take Jamie very long to sort of consider. I mean, he considers her an equal, like almost immediately. And, you know, how many people does Jamie Lannister consider, yeah. like, you know, or treat, how many people does he That's treat as an equal? I mean, think forward into Feast when he's at, you know, at River Run, and he's, you know, dealing with, you know, the all these frays and all these other people. And, I mean, he really, there's, I mean, from non-family members, you kind of see, yeah, he treats Cat like that. He, frankly, treats Titus Blackwood like that. Mm-hmm. There are, you know, a very precious, and I mean, you know, there's a very precious few people that he, you know, that he treats that way, and they genuinely, you know, they seem like they kind of fit the bill of being pretty authentic. You know, Cat couldn't, Cat, I don't think, could have an inauthentic moment in her life. <laughs> She's just, Mm-mm. yeah, it's yeah, not in her. And you know, Titus Blackwood is very, you know, he's not, he's. There's nothing deceptive about the man. He's very matter of fact and you know pretty, pretty open. And Brienne, you know, is, at this point in her life, anyway, yeah, she couldn't, she can't hide any, you know, she can't hide her disdain for him. She can't pretend anything. And it no. seems like you know that's something that he, he values in, in other people, not just in you know not just in Brienne, but his interactions with everyone. Like to get his respect, you kind of, you kind of have to not bullshit him. Yeah, well, and, and you see it here with Cleos. I, you know, I, that's what I always say. It's just like Cleos is there to show you what it's like when Jamie really doesn't like somebody, when he really thinks that they're, you know, despicable people. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the he stuff he thinks Cleos about Cleos is, is. I think he's just like doesn't think, you know, he's anything special. Oh no, I think he thinks he's despicable. I think he thinks he's a suck up and all the things. Oh that Jamie well, he is just a suck up. Hates. Yeah, that's true, and Jamie does hate. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Poor Cleos. <laughs> I know. I do feel bad for Cleos because I don't think he's a bad guy at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anything else about this sparkling first chapter of Jamie's? Just yeah, it's really hard to like not, you know. And there's a long there's a long space in between Jamie one and Jamie two in A Storm of Swords, and it's like God, how did you, you know, if you're reading this for the first time, it just had to be like you're dying to get to the next chapter of it. <laughs> you know, as much as you want to read about the characters who you've already been in their POV, yeah. it's really like, oh my gosh, no, I really like this. I want this story. It was refreshing. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's absolutely, yeah, absolutely refreshing. I think that's a great way to put it. So anyway, we highly recommend that you start reading it. Um, definitely read Jamie's chapters. Uh, so do we have uh, any mail today? We do have some mail. Um, we've got a few emails. Actually, I'll start with um, some Tumblr messages we got. Um, we have an anonymous on Tumblr who says, I'm not sure who it was that men- mentioned the vintage Trivial Pursuit, but my family had the same outdated set, 
And once my cousin flipped the table over a West slash East Germany question. So that was my family. That still has that somewhere. Um, Someday I'll have to get some, someday in the next time I'm at my mom's house, I'll have to get some pictures of our racist Titanic game. Oh, and um, also see if anyone can share oh. that as well. Oh god, it's it's really bad. Oh my gosh, it was it's really bad, but it's like an extremely well designed game. If anyone has it's the the old school seventies Titanic board game, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh god, I've never heard of this. Though. It's pretty. It's just just say there's a lot of stereotypes in the names oh, of god. the passengers. Oh no. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> it's a creature of this time. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, Kaylee B. Kaylee By wrote on Tumblr, Great drunk cast episode. Um, I was wondering if you could further expound upon what you know or heard about NCAA, 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 Nikolai, I was seeing Nikolai and Gwen, not <laughs> wanting to kiss or do the love scene in episode four. I had not heard this before you guys mentioned it on the podcast. I'm curious if that is why the scene of them actually kissing is so short. Do you think they asked for that? And if so, why would they? Seems odd to me. I think it was just an offhand comment in an article. It was off. Like it was we just were like drunk and when we. When yeah, we yeah. I mean, it was just an article where he, he was say? like, it was just awkward, and you know, he was probably just people uh, say that. A lot of actors say that. Oh yeah, we were friends. Well, the kiss was so awkward because yeah. they wouldn't yeah. actually kiss. They I did think, that corner right, mouth business. The, and I yeah. think it's. I mean, if you're asking sober me, I'm saying that. Like, when everyone on Earth says that you, in a relationship, have this incredible chemistry with your co-star, married, you um, are probably, yeah. like, pretty careful about yeah, what makes sense. you put out there. Yeah. You probably aren't saying I was so excited to do that sex yeah, scene but was, I mean, I'm thinking with of, my co-worker of eight years. I mean, think of yeah, all the interviews that I have you've heard. chemistry with and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, nothing he said was out of the normal. Like, I'm thinking about all the interviews I've heard of actors in that situation. And, like, the, I think the only one there was, like, a Keanu and uh, Winona Ryder one that I randomly saw recently from, like, a year oh, ago. Yeah. And, they, and they were like, we loved each other. We had crushes on each other. We still have crushes on each other. I mean, who says that, you know? <laughs> And they were probably half joking too. You know, nobody says that. Like, what the hell? Yeah, but I, yeah, I mean, I do think there's some probably truth to just the, you know, if if there was no if there wasn't like extreme chemistry, I think no one cares. But you know, you, you got to be careful. But um, who wants no chemistry? Because that's like Lena and Nikolai. That was like, ugh. Right, right. Yeah, with the kids. <laughs> Literally, yeah. they can like do whatever. Yeah, it doesn't, you know, yeah, you, you know, no one's ever going to think anything of it. Yeah. And that doesn't even mean people hate each other. It's just they don't have chemistry no. that way. You know what I mean? Right, they obviously right. seem like they like, like each other and they're friends, but they just like didn't Amelia have Like Amelia and Kit. Like yeah, they, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're just yeah. not, they yeah. don't have to like tone it down because, they're, you know, they don't have to, yeah, be careful about things. Um, we have an anon, another Anon who says, do you ever feel that everyone, including D&D, overestimated how much George knew about his own endgame? The others aren't in the final battle. Nine-year-old Bran becomes the king of Westeros, even if it's true. If it's even true. I can't even imagine how he begins to write towards that ending. Anyway, I love you guys, and I'm excited to fall in love with JB all over again. Hmm. I mean, I don't think they overestimated. I just think, like they had nothing you know they had very little to go by and when given very little to go by they tend to not do well 
Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, yeah, I think he told them what he knew. I just think he didn't, you know, maybe this is what the person's saying. He didn't know enough, maybe. That is definitely possible. Yeah. Um, we have a couple. We have a couple of emails. We have um, Adriana who writes, Hi, ladies, and apparently now regular gents. I discovered your podcast sometime last year and really enjoy it. The genuine mirth that comes across is different from any of the others I listen to. Well, not so much the mirth the last couple of months during season eight, I guess. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah. Anyway, I've been listening to the latest episode and heard one of you. I forgot which now. Say she's the only one who's been asking what John will be like when he comes back. If you haven't heard Lu- Lucifer means Lightbringer talk about this, he does at some length. I've heard others refer to it, but I think he's the one who's gotten into it, into it the most of the people I listen to. Um, thanks for the podcast. Yeah, I don't think that we think like we're the only ones wondering. I think we were just thinking more like um, the show never brought it up. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't. They really did not address the undead. Like they would make jokes about it. Yeah. But not to the extent of like if actually if we you know if you knew someone came back from the dead like you don't you wouldn't get over that right? They're, like, they're not good. That's the thing. They were totally bad at which is crazy because you think as writers the psychological aspect and there was that big article about it you know the different styles of writing and they I mean that's they were not good at this they were not giving us the the psychological effects of losing a hand the psychological effects of someone coming back from the dead I mean all these things are ripe for amazing dialogue and interesting you know arcs and yeah they just weren't good at it they were so plot driven those two yeah. they didn't happen and then the plot was I mean it's one thing to be plot driven if your plot has like <laughs> is your plot is like tightly connected you know like because there's writing that the plot is like it and it's super tightly connected and you can yeah. appreciate that but I mean they just dropped so many plot points too like so then you didn't have the character development and you didn't have a plot so you really up left and right <laughs> yeah you really had nothing and i mean the reaction you know certainly goes along with that um we have an email from our last email is an email from wendy who wrote in and um hello everyone i'm from costa rica and i started listening to your podcast recently because i have a complicated relationship with game of thrones and a song of ice and fire <laughs> and i always go on and off with the story However, I absolutely love Jamie and Brienne. Both are dynamic and them as individual characters. So I returned for a disappointing season eight. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yet I yet I think for doing the reread I thank you for doing the reread and keeping it going. I can't wait to listen to your thoughts because I don't know anyone who loves JB as much as, as I do. And you guys are a source of knowledge and fun in these trying times. And there's so much meaty stuff in the books that I love. And um, you know, she she went back and read Cat's final chapter in a clash of kings and um you know just like some of the some of just like a bunch of bullet pointed comments which i won't read all of them but like we know one of them she quotes i seldom play children from towers to improve their health yes i meant for him to die and you know wendy comments the nerve of this fucko which i love (laughs) Um, and just has an interesting thought about um you know how jamie's kind of go-to with women is you know when he's vulnerable to a woman you know he kind of makes them uncomfortable by saying you know basically do you want you know you want to fuck me like that's totally his go-to which, <laughs> you know with the, we've totally seen that with both cat and brienne um 
and then she read Jamie Jamie one and has a has a bunch of bullet points too. Um, you know, I like you know I forgot Jamie gets the Jean Valjean look by shaving his head and keeping his beard. <laughs> which, um, uh, she called you know Brand calls him King Slayer, so he shames her with the only thing he shames women with apparently, which is sex. It's such an odd thing in his mouth because you know he's loyal to Cersei and that up front. He did it with Catelyn too, but you know how this is going to come back and bite him later. <laughs> um. He keeps staring at her sheer size and muscles, and from the start, I was like, hello. He describes no one else in those terms, which is actually a very good thing. Like, he does not, like... Yes. And I think it's funny when people, like, replace Brienne with, like, Adam Marbrand, like, the way he talks about, like, physically. Yes! Yes! Um, Oh, my God! It's so true. Well, and it's like, look at at what his description, his physical descriptions were of Cleos, which is like a sentence. Exactly. (laughs) And Cleos is rolling too. He didn't go on about his sweaty brow or anything. (laughs) Which would be really hilarious if that's just like how he talked about everyone. Um, uh, You know, she says, I don't know how much of Jamie's stuff with Cersei is will for ignorance and how much is the fact that he's been at this for so long. He talks about Cersei and what she does to him, and you can gather from context she's pretty manipulative and that she's obsessed with how similar they look. Like, he's an extension of herself, you know. What What do you guys feel about this? And, well, at this point, yeah. he still has that illusion about her. You know, he hasn't been, he hasn't found about the cheating. He has, you know, there's things that haven't happened yet. At this point, he's still, you know, under that, kind of that spell of, like, his fantasy of what it is. And but it is been, funny how even here he knows he's like oh she's not gonna be happy that i don't look as much like her but i mean given what we see of her in feast when he's sort of unleashing himself from her like she's just outraged like she kind of strikes me as she would probably go off the handle at him like all the time oh yeah that she was definitely controlling and that he knew she'd be upset about certain things and and even like you were saying he had to a certain extent at least at this point know that she part of the appeal was that she was sort of this mirror in her mind of him yeah well that's it he knows on some level that that's part of it i mean like he's thinking it here i mean like imagine being in the position that he's in and of all the thoughts to have to think oh shit she is not gonna like it that i don't look as much like her anymore i mean it's like not like oh she's gonna be so happy i'm gonna get back to her after all this time or anything like that it's kind of sad it kind of is sad i mean talk about abuse oh jesus and again, I think it goes back to, too, like, what was he thinking about in that cell for all that time? You know, yeah. he's obviously been mulling Aries a lot, but also, I think, you know, thinking about Cersei and, like, the fact that she's kind of shitty at him, basically. Yeah, kind of reassessing things. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And that's a psychological... Oh God, I mean, I don't even know if George fully gets into it. That's pretty PTSD-inducing, like, if he was sort of in a solitary confinement. Yeah. God. And, well, you know, I mean, could, when you start talking to yourself, yes, you're yeah. you're having some issues. Yeah. Well, and like when your when your coping mechanism is to go away inside, and you're oh, isolated gosh, like that, like has, it's like yeah. double, oh. you know, double going away. And oh, how does he? Yeah, what does he do? Especially for someone who likes to talk as much as he likes to talk. God, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not like you had like a quiet person there. Oh my god. Yeah, it's like Jamie does not strike you as a naturally like contemplative person, so yeah, that was a lot of time alone. That's true. That's true. That could have, you know, been major part of the the 
the change in you know sort of attitude towards her and you know because you could even uh, that's probably next chapter <laughs> i was like <laughs> yeah um, it's coming wendy wraps up with the, you know a couple more you know like tons of great of great things wendy you know we totally appreciate the email um she says sorry this email is just too long now but i need to get this off my chest so thank Aww. you so much for providing a fun space to think about these two characters and their stories and i hope you have a good week oh thank Aww. you that's always good to hear because you know yeah, i don't have an email yeah i don't have a lot of people in in real life that i could talk to about them like i do sometimes my family but after a while they glaze over so it's always cool to hear that we're providing what sort of it provides for me or i'm sure you know all of us sort of have that it's a it's a way to meet you know so <laughs> so funny funny story today I'm I get a text message from a friend of mine and I'm gonna read it because it's I, I don't remember exactly what it said <laughs> but it was really confusing to me and, and again you guys might not you might be the only people that would understand this <laughs> um, she just texts me and says well I guess we didn't have the worst JB experience ever and like this is a friend that I don't think has ever watched the show or read the books or knows that I do this podcast or knows anything. So I'm like, what the fuck is she talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? I haven't I, I haven't had a chance to respond, but I'm like, I don't really like what are you talking about? Then I realized after like you know half an hour of like what the hell, it was the worst Jimmy Buffett experience because oh we my God. Jimmy oh my Buffett God. years ago oh and that. I we, thought you were going to say Justin Bieber. No, we we went on a party bus, but we basically, like, there were four or five of us, and we got the last seats on a bus that a group of people had already rented. So it was, like, all of these, like, super lame people that this was, like, their one big night out, and then us, who didn't know any of them. Oh and it was gosh. awful. And apparently, unfortunately, there I think it was in the Dominican Republic that – um, there was a Jimmy Buffett concert that a bunch of people apparently got, or a tour that was going to it, and a bunch of people got seriously ill. Oh, God. <laughs> That's what she was referring oh. to. And it was like, GB, like, what is that? That's really funny. <laughs> Somebody <What>? fell out. <laughs> like, oh my God, I'm exposed. Like, I think the level of exposure was what would have disturbed me. <laughs> yeah, no. Buffett. That's that's another JB. But it also could be Justin so Bieber. Funny. It took me a while. Like, how could JB stand for us? I can't. I can't tell you how many other JBs I would have guessed before I would have hit Jimmy Buffett. Twenty. <laughs> well, I was, you know, putting it in connection with her. I'm like, maybe. Oh, Jimmy Buffett. But uh, yeah, it took a while. So yeah, that. That's, I, <laughs> board games and Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times guys we love to get your mail and this is why <laughs> yes so please um do send us more um you can email us at close the door end at gmail.com or you can send us just an anonymous message that doesn't require you to sign into anything on our tumblr which is close the door and come here.tumblr.com um you can always <laughs> hit up kyle on twitter at close the door is it just close the door? No, it's End. just door podcast. Oh, door, door podcast. podcast. Oh, I forgot. See, oh. I always fuck this shit up. Um, and then, of course, we're always appreciative of our um, patrons on Patreon. And you can find us on Patreon. And I think it's patreon.com forward slash close the door. Yeah. Um, and, of course, you can always find us, like, review us and everything on Stitcher and iTunes and Google Play and everywhere that you listen to your podcasts. Is there anything else I'm forgetting? Um, I always forget. that I, you know... Check out our Twitter and our Tumblr to see um, Char- the 
Jamie Jamie's first chapter art. It's definitely worth um, checking out, and we will continue to post post that art as we as we receive it as we move along with the chapters. But yeah, you definitely want to see want to see this first one. It's pretty awesome. Please do check it out. It's really really cool. I loved it. Oh, we should probably mention the thriving Jamie Brienne subreddit. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, well, I, I just say that because you know, there's the the Jamie Brienne subreddit, and until season eight, it was you know, it was a small community. There'd be like a couple posts, and it's kind of exploded. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of good discussion there as well. There is, and I completely forgot to do a, a thread for this podcast, but we're going to be putting up threads for our podcast so you can ask us like uh, questions before the episode as we go through these chapters. So you can find those threads on, it would be reddit.com forward slash r forward slash Jamie Brienne. Um, and, you know, it's pretty easy to get a Reddit account and no one is picky about anything there. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice Then you can go to cool things like power washing porn. <laughs> <laughs> that too. You're not on Reddit oh already. Back, which is really <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Oh, Guys, I'm so happy to be doing book stuff it's again. Nice. I can't even... It's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks for podcasting, guys. I'm closing the door. Get out. 